Hey, Heather here. If you are loving what you hear on this podcast, but feel like you could use just a little bit more help in getting free from body image and comparison issues, I have an idea for you. Let's work together. There are several different ways you can do this. You can join our refocus online group. It's happening on my website a few times a year, or you can sign up for group or individual coaching. I love helping women find freedom. Our time together won't be about your food or your exercise habits necessarily. Instead, we'll dig into what's really going on in your heart. Almost all the issues we struggle with in life have a spiritual root, and that's what I want to help you uncover. Go to comparetohu.me and look for the coaching tab to find out more. She said, your heart will always long for more when it's mastered by something else. When we're mastered by our desires of that, there's just constant insatiable desire in us. And there can be really good goals we have. We should all want to be healthy. But I think if we're looking at that to be our ends, it's never going to satisfy. And we all know this. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in his grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I am so glad that you're listening today. Well, today I have a special guest who is going to help us talk about life through the lens of investment. And if that piques your curiosity, I hope it does. Uh, it, it piqued mine. I found out about Shauna and what she does, what she talks about in terms of looking at all of life through the different ways that we can invest our time, our treasure, all the things. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And so let me tell you a little bit about Shauna. Shauna's a mother, a home educator, a chauffeur to four children. She and her husband love encouraging others to live intentionally, embrace adventure, and find joy in a life surrendered to the mission of Christ. When she's not writing or teaching her own children, she teaches a class of eighth graders and loves to play tennis. Now back in Texas after 13 years in New York City, she will never take a backyard, time with family, air conditioning, or her own laundry room for granted. Shauna writes regularly on her website, sharing truth-filled encouragement and practical ways to find a fulfillment life by investing in that which is valuable. She sends out a newsletter called First Things First, and she's been recently published in the Joyful Life magazine. Shauna Sullivan, thank you so much for being on the Compared To Show today. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. It is super fun to talk to you. And we connected because we have a mutual friend and uh, she connected us and was like, I think you two would really like each other. And turns out we have so much in common. We, we both do. We do the same homeschooling program. You teach the grade that my son is going through now so we speak the same we know language all the right and so it's super fun to connect with you and in full disclosure if you're watching or listening today we tried to record this episode before 
in the middle of the ice storm. And so there were some issues. So this is our second time around. But I think this one's going to be even better than the first it's one. It's going to be know. great. What do you think, Shauna? I think so. <laughs> well, hey, I would love to start just by having you tell your story. Okay. You've got an interesting story of life in the big city <laughs> and yeah. all that that entailed. And I would just love to hear you share your story with us. What's funny is I am a Texas girl and I married a Texas boy. And somehow the Lord saw fit to move us to New York City. My husband was actually there working. He is an investment analyst and I was in accounting and I transferred up there after we got married. And those first few years living and especially moving from Texas culture up to New York City, um, there was a culture shock for sure, but really it felt like a wilderness. And I think that some people listening may be like, okay, so you moved up to Manhattan and you started a life. How fun. And so sometimes it's hard but when I say it was a wilderness season, I think everyone can relate to some season in their life that really feels like a wilderness where you are crying out to God and saying, okay, why did you bring me here? Or maybe it looked really good on the surface, but then real life, it's not a movie, you know? So here we were newly married, working uh, new roles in the corporate world. And we told ourselves the plan is to be here for two years. And we're going to build our resumes and then we're going to go back to where it's comfortable and we know family and it's familiar and we're going to have a family. And that was the plan. And uh, after two years, there wasn't a road back to Texas yet. And I was really struggling. And around that time, a pastor was moving up from Texas and met with us. And I'll never forget that dinner because he said, have you ever thought that God brought you here for more than your own plans and purposes. And I had to really sit with that question because to be honest, all I could see was how much was not going as expected. Mm. And the more my husband and I talked about it and prayed through it, we said, okay, I think there may be more for us here that God has that we didn't ever expect or plan. And so we stayed in the city and we partnered with this pastor uh, my husband stayed in finance, but we continued to just live and say, we're going to be on mission. We're going to be all in. We're going to help plant this church. And we want to stay in the city, not because of what the city can do for us, but what we can actually do to love the city well. And that two-year plan turned into 10 and 13 and four babies later. And uh, it has been a journey and a lot of lessons learned along the way. I love that. So- this isn't the question I told you I was going to ask next. Love that. <laughs> but I think it's really valuable as I talk to women about comparison and body image issues. Yes. There is tremendous value in doing things outside of ourselves, outside of our plans, right? Doing things yes. intentionally to serve the kingdom, like yes. that, that shift from self-focus to others focus and kingdom focus is really right. what you write about and we're going to talk about, but would you dig into your story just a little bit deeper mm -hmm. and tell me what did that look like? Because I feel like it's hard when you first start to think that way where you've got, you're on a track and it's like, oh wow, God, like this is going to consume a lot of time. <laughs> like, Do I have that yes. kind of time? So can you fill that out? Like, what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, definitely. 
Well, for me personally, my journey through that was also linked with my journey of motherhood. So I went up to New York, just newly married, but no children. I was working at a big accounting firm, had a career going that would have, I mean, really was a career that I dreamed of. I loved it. I traveled. I had the corporate card. It was wonderful. And with each child that the Lord blessed us with, um, he, he began to create just a, a different vision. And I think motherhood sometimes does that for us where we have this choice. And it wasn't so much a choice of, are you working or are you staying home? Which, which I know a lot of women face. But as I decided to stay home, it became an identity issue of, okay, what is the mission of my days? What is the purpose of my days? And that's when I really started wrestling with, is this it? So I have a baby, I've had a career, I'm in Manhattan, I'm married now what, right? It's that now what? And so what I saw was as we began to say, okay, we're all in with the church and wanting to serve and love the city, then it actually brought so much purpose to our days Mm -hmm. and meaning to my days personally, where those early years, uh, when you have babies and you feel like you've lost yourself because you don't even know what day it is, there was something greater that Mm -hmm. I began to see is worth living for than just what I look like now postpartum, than just what are, you know, it's not just the puzzles and Cheerios and Mm -hmm. play dates, but there was so much more. It was Mm -hmm. the people I was meeting with and God began to just grow this love for the people that he brought in our life. And it was okay that I didn't love the concrete and the dirt and the noise and the constant constant noise and the small spaces and the lack of laundry room. And I could go on, but but I know that's not what we're talking about, but with each thing, it was just this, this question of, of, do you trust me? Right. Do you trust me? And I was pregnant with my third and I had, I was going to have three under five and I'll never forget my neighbor texted and said, Hey, the elevator is going to be out in our building. And so literally for that, that whole section of my pregnancy, we had no elevator and every inconvenience I could tell you, right? Like we didn't have a car for a long time. I didn't have an elevator during that pregnancy. And you try to walk up four flights of stairs with a five-year-old and a two-year-old and a stroller and any groceries and you're done. And so I think it was it wasn't just, here's this big picture vision of what it looked like for me. It was the day-to-day surrender. It was Mm. every action, every thought, every why me, why us. There was this, even the comparison of watching people would come and go, the the city is so transient and God would bring people there for a year or two, and then they would leave. And here I am sitting at five, eight, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, God, um, we're still here. And there's this feeling of like, we're kind of being left behind. Like, I'm not sure if he sees us. So I don't know that there was any one big transformation. It was the slow heart Mm -hmm. surrender daily. And, you know, my husband, I actually just talked about this. I keep saying there's this danger in going back. Gosh, what if, right? Like, okay, what if our kids were older? What if we didn't start in the baby phase in Manhattan? Maybe it would have been easier. Mm. What if we had had a little more money and we could have gotten out of the city? And I think it gets so, it's so dangerous to go down Mm. that path. And he said, you know, I wonder if we had had those things we thought we needed, we probably would not have clung to Jesus as tightly. And I definitely would not have had this experience of actually looking at our life and our days as investments if we hadn't just leaned in and surrendered to what he was wanting to do with us. I know for me, it took that long 
And I prayed, God, do not let me be here. Right. When you're in the wilderness, you were like, God, don't let me stay here longer. Not one day longer, not one minute longer than is necessary for you to do what you need to do in my life. And evidently that was 13 years. (laughs) So, and he's still not done, but. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And I love something you said kind of earlier in that, which was the now what, Because that's something that I emphasize a lot in that I feel like I lived with like, well, if I could just do this, then right. The, if, if, if then paradox, but I was just, I wanted to be married. And so I got married, but then I was like, well, now what, you know? And I mean, and I had had my dream job, my dream Mm -hmm. job at age 24, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I ran a congressional race. That was all I ever wanted to do was be a campaign manager, did it, had the t-shirt, it's like, well, now what? And then I had to get married and then kids. And I kind of started running out of now what things. Exactly. And I love how, you know, your story exemplifies that when, when you're focused on the now what, right? You're, you're kind of focused on yourself, right? Sex for me, that's going to fulfill me. And it's right. just a trap because what really fulfills us is not the what's next for me, but it's kind of like, what do you have next, like God for me to do for you that really changes our perspective on things. So I I love all that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So let's twist to that investment lens, if you will, Mm -hmm. looking at life through the lens of investment. Okay. So obviously there's wisdom in making sound investments. Anyone who's invested in the stock market or, you know, businesses or whatever, like, you know, that, that all makes sense. Right. But what are you really trying to say? You're not trying to help us make better financial decisions. You're trying to help us make better life decisions. <laughs> so right, talk right. to me about that. So I think when I was in Manhattan, there was a time when I felt like I had done all the right things, right? Like I, we were serving at the church. We were helping people. We were giving counseling. We were getting counseling. We were doing all that we felt like was uh, in faithful obedience to what God had called us to. And there was a time where my husband and I talked through, what if we don't see that reward that we're looking for here and now? What does that look for to actually live for a different kingdom? And in Matthew 6, 33, uh, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. And that always struck me as interesting because I think we may know that verse, but do we realize that when it says seek first the kingdom of God, that means there are alternative kingdoms. There are other kingdoms that we can live for and that we can actually seek to build. And as I started thinking about that, it began this, this questioning framework in my mind with each decision that we make and, and really kind of that big picture. Okay. What, what kingdom do I want my life to be leveraged for? Do I want it to be leveraged for a kingdom of wellness? Do I want it to be, you know, leveraged for a kingdom of uh, well-behaved children, really successful children? Do I want it to be leveraged for all those things, fill in the blank or for a kingdom that lasts? And what does that even look like? And so that first question, which kingdom am I leveraging my life for? And then secondly, I always ask to what end It, it is identifying what is it where am I heading with this? Mm-hmm. And that, that can apply to a lot of different, um, decisions. You know, should you take on this new commitment at, at your church? Should you, uh, enroll your child in the select sports team? Right. And so to ask that question, maybe not what kingdom is that building? Cause that may be hard to discern, mm-hmm. but to ask, well, to what end, where is this leading? And then the third question, what fruit will come from it? Mm-hmm. 
And there are some really good things that we may be called to in some seasons that we're not called to do in others because the fruit isn't there, right? We're looking at it and saying, okay, I I want my child to play select soccer, which is what we talked about last time, but okay. Do I have the margin with my time? Do I have the margin with my money? And is that actually producing good fruit in our family rhythm? Or is this taxing? And I do think in some seasons, it's wonderful. And in some seasons, it may be too much. And to be able to look at even those real life decisions through this lens, what kingdom to what end and what fruit am I seeing? And so I'm just thinking through, you know, in my body image coaching that I do with women, one thing that we kind of have to fundamentally start off by just talking about is thin is not a destination, you know? And so there's so many, and and I was one of them where it's like, you know, I just want to be thin, but that's, that's not a, that's not a place. Right. right? And and so thinking about it through this lens, it's like, okay, if, you know, if I had some health things going on, you know, some, some weight that a doctor had advised me to lose, like, yes, there's definite wisdom. There's some sound thinking that would go behind, you know, trying to lose some weight. Right. But to what end, right? right? Like once you, get to that place, will you be content to stay there? And what is that costing you? (laughs) Right? So for some women, I see they start the dieting process. um, And maybe it starts off healthy, like I just want to lose these extra, you know, 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. But what happens is they end up being consumed with it. And so maybe their physical size is getting smaller, but spiritually they're suffering because they've kind of put that body image idol on the throne and the health and wellness you mentioned idol on the throne or the exercise, you know, it's more important that I make it to spin class than that I get to my, you know, small group, those kind of things. And so I think that's a really important, um, important thing, a filter, if you will, to, to put on how do we spend our time and to, to what end, what, what are you actually accomplishing with these goals that you have? Like, there's nothing wrong with having a goal to be healthier, right? But, well, but what are you doing in that? Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And then when you get to that end, then what, right? right. It's that now what still, and I think unless our end is God, and that sounds really churchy. But truly, I went through a really intensive, it was almost like counseling time where we were being trained as leaders in the church, but instead the Lord was actually working on my heart. And I was talking to a woman who had come to train us. And she said, I was really wrestling, right? With living in the city, having a family, being a mom of young kids, no family around. It was just eating me alive. And I felt guilty. Like, why do I not love the city more? I should love the city more. And she said something that I'll never forget forget. She said, what is your end? You want to move back to be near family. Okay. So then what? Okay. So I'm going to move back to be near my family. So then I can put my kids in a mother's day out so that I can have help <laughs> or, <laughs> or be an, a, ba- a free babysitter. And she said, okay, those are good things, but now what? And there was always something. And at some point I said, I don't know. And she said, your heart will always long for more when it's mastered by something else, when we're mastered by our desires of that. So there's just constant insatiable desire in us. And there can be really good goals we have. We should all want to be healthy. But I think if we're looking at that to be our end, it's never going to satisfy. And we all know this. And I feel like, and I've talked about this on the show before, but you know, the whole, your body is a temple. Mm-hmm. concept, right? Mm-hmm. Biblical and often slapped in Christian diet programs. Mm-hmm. 
this, right? Like you need to be healthy because your body is a temple. Okay. But what is the purpose of the temple? Right. Like, is the purpose of the temple to be super hot so everyone worships the temple? Like, oh, what a great looking building that is, <laughs> right? right? No, like that's ridiculous, <laughs> right? Like the purpose of the temple is to be used for worship. And so mm-hmm. if our goal is to be healthy so we can be worshipped, right. then that's a little off. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always pretty careful to use that your body is a temple thing because I feel like there's been a, it's been a source of maybe extra pressure <laughs> on, yeah. on women to like look a certain way you know you got to be hot for Jesus (laughs) right I'm like Jesus doesn't really need you to be hot for him (laughs) he just he just you know he just needs you to to worship appropriately I think that should be like a bumper sticker or something I like that yeah or a tattoo like tattoo yeah yeah you don't have to be hot for Jesus I like that uh okay so I'm getting off track let's go back to investments there's wise investments and there's foolish investments any other ways, parameters you can give us on how do we tell the difference or stories? Yeah. Well, so I did, I, when I think of my husband as an investor and how he invests, he looks at a portfolio in a diversified way, right? So no matter what you're investing in, you're not going to put all your eggs in one basket. And so as I looked at that with life, I thought, okay, how do we really like flush this out? It's easy to talk about in principle, but what does this really look like as a decision framework? When you are a woman and you, and you may be a young mom, or you may be in your career and you're at that point of now what, I think this kind of helps us take inventory of our lives. And so I have about five things that I like to, to walk through. One is accounting for your possessions. So I think, okay, you can't really analyze what you want to do or how you want to steward your life until you take account of what you have. And this attacks that comparison thing also, Heather, because it's easy for us to look at what other people have, but for us to be able to see, okay, what has God actually given me? He's given each of us either a personality or skills, abilities, a family, a husband, a career, something. And so it's taking inventory. We start there. And then that next thing is really prioritizing spiritual growth because for each of us, if we want to combat that self-focus, really what we're saying is that that leads to the fruit of a fear of man, right? Being more concerned about what others are thinking about than growing in our fear of God and, and really being in awe of his holiness and who he is. And so we need to really be mindful and take inventory. How am I investing in my spiritual life? That can be Bible studies and devotions. It can be a prayer group. It can be just alone time for you to sit in stillness and realize how much we're chasing after when we're just going, going. And so there's looking at what you have, prioritizing spiritual growth. And then it's also looking at who has God placed in your life. So if you're on that select soccer team, maybe it's not just all about your son playing soccer. Maybe it's about those people sitting right there on the bleachers next to you. And God accomplishes, I think, some of his greatest work in our lives through and sanctifying work in our lives through relationships. Mm-hmm. But for us to be able to see through that lens slowly as we identify who he's placed in our lives, it shifts our focus. We cannot be looking at others if we're looking at ourselves. We can't. It's like we can't serve those two masters. Right. And so being aware of who has he placed in your life, write it down you know, be, and it will look differently in each season. You'll be like, Oh, I didn't even know. I I never had noticed this girl who always checks me out at target or who I always see at Starbucks. Right. And you're like, 
I just want to get to know her. I mean, there's all different ways that we can shift that lens of, of who has he placed in our life that we can begin to invest in. Right. Right. Uh, and, that. and that leads me to discipleship too. So I think we can invest in friendships and relationships, but then there are these unique relationships uh, of discipleship where we are literally called in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. What does that mean? Does that mean, oh, I want people to be just like me? No, we're not trying to make disciples of Heather or Shauna. We're, we're wanting to go out and show them this, this greater kingdom you're living for. There is a King and he is above all Kings. He is above all gods. And I, I want to help you know him. I want to come alongside of you and cheer you on. And you do that well through your books and your podcast. That's, that is the end of what you're doing. You are saying, I want to make much of him. I want to come alongside people and say, you can have a life of freedom. And that is, those are the steps of discipleship. That's investing in, in other people. For some, it may just be the children under your roof that you're investing in and discipling in, in this season. And to know that that is valuable. It's no less valuable than anything else that you'll make or any other investment you'll make. Absolutely. And then the last thing that I, I love to camp out on is living on mission. And really that can encompass all the other areas, but what does it look like to really be the hands and feet of Jesus? It's all of these other areas, but it's also looking at what he's given you, your giftings and abilities and your passions and where those intersect. And that is a great starting point of where to invest. All of that forms kind of this greater kingdom investment philosophy. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so, okay, so a couple of things. So discipleship, what's interesting there is our church has a program. It's kind of an organic program, but it's a discipleship program. And there's not an official curricula for it because they want it to be not something that people kind of check off as, mm. okay, I did discipleship, but something that is living and breathing and continues. And one of the key components of it is teaching discipleship, that we are a disciple maker. That's part of our identity in Christ. And, and for me, that was, I think, the first time, even growing up in church, that was the first time that I had really viewed that as, wait a second, this isn't be nice if you made disciples. <laughs> like, right. this is kind of a command. Like this isn't essential. Right. And then what I realized was one of the suggestions, recommendations that I give women when I work with them, after they've completed my program, I recommend that they find someone to take through my program. Because I feel like one of the best ways to stay free in these areas is to start, you know, helping another woman find freedom, which is exactly. really just, you know, a form of discipleship. So I think, I think that's really key. And I feel like that's an area that we don't talk about enough as Christians. I, well, it's just an American thing, right? Like we're focused mm -hmm. on individual and my individual growth and my individual spiritual walk, right. but we're not supposed to walk alone. And that doesn't just mean being in community. That means having, having disciples, being a disciple maker. So I love that you emphasized that. It sounds really big and right. like heady, you know? Right. So, right. oh, disciple, like, Ooh, that sounds so intimidating. I'm, I may not feel mature enough or able right. to really bring someone along, but here's the truth. We're all being discipled by something. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Right? Yeah. Go on with that. And yep. So it, it doesn't matter if it's a brand, mm -hmm. a, a designer. If we think about what so many women, and this is wonderful. There's so many opportunities now with a lot of businesses that, um, let's say beauty counter or oils, mm -hmm. right. These are such great opportunities right. that we are saying, yes, there's value in this. And right. what's the first thing we want to do when we value something and we recognize the good of it. Yeah. We want to tell somebody, right. 
And so it doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. We're not looking for perfection. We're just looking for someone to say, you know what? I found a good thing and I want you to come along with me. I'm laughing because I think you're going to be able to relate to this, but I am guilty of that when it comes to our homeschool program. We do classical conversations and I have so many times said, I am sorry, Lord, I am a much better evangelist for classical (laughs) conversations than I am for you sometimes because I am quick to tell people like all the benefits of CC. We call it CC for those of you that have never heard of it. Um, It doesn't have anything to do with Common Core. It's classical conversations. But I, you know, I am always, I'm so enthusiastic about classical conversations. I love classical conversations. And why? Why are you enthusiastic? Because it has changed our lives, exactly. right? And yep. and so it should very much be the same. Yep. It should be the same about, you know, my spiritual life as well. And, you know, and part of my story, Shauna, is I think because I was a good church girl, mm-hmm. for many years, I wrestled with, did I even have a testimony? Mm-hmm. How could I share how right. Jesus changed my life when I never did drugs? I never even drank. I mean, I was as vanilla as they came, <laughs> Right. Like I was the good girl. I mean, I think I made some long distance phone calls without asking my parents. That's serious. You know, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. I lied. (laughs) But but you know, but lying that didn't really count because no one knew about that. I mean, you know, all those (laughs) things you tell yourself, right? But I was pretty convinced that I was a good girl and I was I was a really good Pharisee, is really what I was. And pretty self-righteous as well, and really, really filled with pride. But those things didn't Mm. matter either. I just did I felt like I didn't have this testimony of being being, you know, a certain kind of person and then turning into another kind of person. And when I wrote my first Mm -hmm. book, like one thing God really showed me was, no, you have a testimony. Like I have taken you from darkness and delight. And really, unless we have a testimony, right? Like we're not saved, right? Like everyone has to have a makeover story that (laughs) of some sort, because that's, that's our salvation story. So, um, and so being, being bold and courageous and sharing, sharing that, um, Mm -hmm was, was a big step for me. And, and I don't know, maybe someone watching or listening today kind of feels the same way. Like I've never felt like I had anything to say. Like I, you know, right. I love Jesus. But one thing we do at our church is we practice telling our story, mm. figuring out how God has changed your life and, and having right. that as something you are ready to share, uh, right. when, you know, just in casual conversation. <laughs> so. Yeah. And we have talked about that too recently, just the power of story. Right. And so many are, are talking about this now, but, but we need to be willing to just share our story, even if we feel like it's not significant, but if you add that enough at the end of each, right, like Mm. it's not drastic or dramatic enough, or it's not interesting enough. Mm. I think we really miss out on just how God wants to use what seems mundane or simple to us, but there's a heart issue there. Like you said, there's a heart transformation. And, and there are just others who need to hear it. So by discipling, what, what happens is you start to see the fruit you're discipling, you're growing closer to the Lord, you're growing closer to that person. And it's, it's starting to intersect all of these things that we're talking about organically. It's not a checkbox. You know, this isn't a thing. Oh, you know, Shauna said five things. Let me make sure I'm checking off all those things in my life right now. We have to let that gospel wash over us that we don't do anything to earn God's love. We're not doing these things to be more accepted or more pleasing to him. So his love covers that. We get to do this out of freedom, out of a love and a motivation of saying, God, you have freed me. 
I, I want to, I want others to know that freedom. Right. And there is nothing more valuable to invest in. If that's a child, a spouse, someone in your family, a friend, the woman at Target, there's nothing, there's no one better to just say, Hey, can I just, I just want to share now. You don't have to be creepy, but you know, it will, it will come out when it's overflowing from you. Right. tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out comparedtohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. And I'm just thinking, like, I feel like the number one excuse that people use is, well, I don't know all the answers. But yet, if you're excited about your essential oils, are you excited about Beauty Counter? Do you really worry about someone asking you like what all the ingredients are or, you know, whether or not this particular chemical has been anywhere close to your, you know, like you're not really worried about that. You're like, well, you know, we'll look that up later. I'm just going to tell you like how much I love these products, how much I love these oils. And I feel like we kind of trip ourselves up when it comes to sharing the gospel or sharing about Jesus because we're like, well, what if I don't get the verse right? Or, you know, it's okay to say, hey, we can look that up together, (laughs) right? You know, I don't know all the answers, um, but I just know that this has changed my life and I'm happy to share it with you because I I love you and I think it would change your life too. And not being, you know, caught up in being a Bible scholar (laughs) before you do that. And I love you, but you brought up the language wisdom Mm -hmm. and how do we know it's a wise choice and a foolish choice. And I love that because that's language in scripture. That's Mm -hmm. language that we need to talk about and say, is this a wise investment? Is this a wise thing to say yes to or is this foolish? And a lot of that comes back to me of, does this, um, take me down this path of fear of God, or does it take me down this path of fear of man? And it's a, you know, Shauna doesn't have it all figured out. It is a daily, it's a daily question and a daily wrestling. And, and I think that to remember the fear of the Lord, like is the beginning of knowledge, like for us Mm -hmm. to learn more about him is building that, that knowledge and that fear of him and putting him back on the throne and being like, he is a holy God. He is the great. I am he is worthy of me sacrificing for and investing in. And you can do that alongside someone. You are discipling someone. That's the other thing. We're being discipled by something and you Mm -hmm. are discipling someone. It's just, what are they seeing in your life? And I look at that with our kids. They are seeing something, right? They're being discipled by or discipled by YouTube. Or, or buy a, a Pinterest worthy house, right, right? right? Or a Pinterest worthy table of, mm-hmm. you know, or recipe, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, I, what do I want my kids to walk away from my home saying, mm-hmm. yes, this is what my mom ran hard after mm-hmm. or what my dad ran hard right. after. And, and that's where that rubber meets the road of, Oh, it's, it's tough, right? Yeah. But it's a daily, it's a daily yeah. thing. And we have an opportunity. I want to say this as as your cheerleader, really, for those who are listening, but we have an opportunity to run hard after those things that last and that matter. And that's really what this is about. Right. Running hard after a better body. What does that show your children? Right. 
I mean, when, when scripture tells us that beauty is fleeting, right? When we all know that aging is inevitable, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do about that. At some point, you're not going to look 25 anymore. It just happens. Although I do feel like all of us are surprised when it happens to us. I mean, I'll just admit. I was like, oh, huh. Those are wrinkles. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, I really, I really thought that they wouldn't come, but they've come. (laughs) But, but you know, what are we showing our kids is important. I think that's a really good thing to think about. And listen, I'm 42, but I'm sitting in a class. Actually, I usually stand more, but I am in a class of seven, eighth grade girls right now. Okay. The Lord saw it good for me to be able to teach, but also disciple these girls, right? I'm looking at it as an opportunity of discipleship. This isn't just what we see on the surface. And as we are talking through things, uh, we've already had several who I know are wrestling with eating disorders. Mm. One that has been diagnosed and has Mm. been something we've been praying about as a class, like these Mm. are 13 year olds. And so that, you know, these unhealthy patterns of thought don't start Mm. these, these little G gods that we run after, Mm don't start when we're 42. They start mm-hmm. really young. And for right. us to recognize that, that we have an opportunity to, to speak into these girls and these younger, this younger generation is really important for them right. to hear your struggle or your thought process and know that they have the answer to be able to fight against those little enemies and their minds, right? What we're telling ourselves. And we talk about that a lot. And so that doesn't just start in in your middle age, after you've had kids, after you look at your postpartum body, that, that starts really early. And for most of us, we probably relate to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just want to emphasize again, this is something you said earlier. We're not saying that you have to go out and find a group of girls in your church that need you to mentor them. This can start in your home. This starts just with the decisions you make day to day. When am I showing my daughter, (laughs) right? What am I showing my son? Because eating disorders and body image issues are on the rise with boys too. So our boys are picking out these messages too. So it's like, what am I showing my children? If you don't have children, what am I showing my nieces and nephews? (laughs) Maybe they're not getting it from their parents. Or what am I showing my grandchildren? For those of you that are a little older, you know, it's, I, I think this is so important. Okay, so Shauna, we're almost out of time because we could talk forever. Uh, and that would be fun. <laughs> um, okay, what what am I missing? What else do we need to know or think about when it comes to viewing life through the lens of investment? I think that it's just remembering when you ask yourself, is this really valuable? I think we all struggle with, are we significant? Are we valuable? Are we desired, right? This this, uh, desire to have a good body is so that we feel loved and desired, truly at its core. Absolutely, yep. And so we've used this enough term, but when, when you recognize what it means to live for a different kingdom, then you recognize that all of these other things are valuable. They are enough because you're living for something different. You're living for something beyond the here and now you're living for something other than what you see with your eyes physically day in and day out. That's for that young mom who didn't get any sleep and is like, I'm doing this again. This is just my life on repeat. Is this all there is? right? This is for that woman who has given everything to her career and is like, okay, I'm in my dream job. Now what? Now what? Right. And so we can all reach this point. And what I want to say is there is more when you choose to be all in living for a different kingdom. And two, if you're living for that kingdom, then what he's placed before you, what God has laid out before you, 
be faithful in because it matters. It matters. And if I could look every single person in the eye who's listening right now and say what you're doing matters because it's being done for a greater kingdom, I would. And I hope you hear that today. But let us cheer you on, right? We need each other to cheer each other on because the world will never give you the praise that we're looking for. And so when we invest in this greater kingdom, it may not feel like we get the reward here and now. And more times than not, you won't, Mm -hmm. but there is a greater reward to come. Your inheritance is set and we can run hard after those things and trust that even those little things that don't feel good or exhausting, don't make any sense on paper. They matter. I love that. That's so good, Shauna. Okay. So tell everyone where they can connect with you and you have a fun freebie. I think, don't you have a download or something fun for everyone? So tell us about that too. I just assumed if, if you're like me and you're listening to this while you're doing laundry, you're driving in the car, I don't want you to take notes. I've put together a free download for you just with this framework so that you can look at it, go back to it. This is for your listeners just to be able to say, okay, what did she say again? And how can I look at how can I look at my marriage differently? How can I look at parenting differently? How can I look at my life and my career through a different lens? This doesn't mean you stop working in your career. It means you start looking at your career as a way to invest in a greater kingdom. That's what we're saying. And so I hope it blesses, you know, those of you who are listening, you can just revisit. I'd also love to connect with you going forward. I write at shaunasullivan.com. And Instagram is really where I spend a lot of my time uh, under Shauna Sullivan. So uh, I like to send out a newsletter first things first, and just, we need to cheer each other on. We need to keep this conversation going. This isn't a one and done thing. None of us master it the first day. So, right. And we all need accountability and reminders, right? (laughs) Because we can be really awesome on, oh, my priorities are fantastic on Monday morning, (laughs) but by Wednesday, ah! Can you remind me? I always say this. Can you remind me of this when I ask you again? You know, right, right, right. We need those reminders. I love that. Okay. So I'll put all the links in show notes to connect with Shauna at shaunasullivan.com. But Shauna, thank you for being on the show today and sharing your wisdom. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for listening today. I hope something in today's show has helped you stop comparing and start living. That's all for today. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the start here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com.